America is a land full of strange and ancient magic. The pilgrims surely felt it as soon as they unbuckled their multiple buckles for the first time on the shores of Provincetown, and then later Plymouth, where probably they felt it a little less, because have you been to Plymouth? The native people, like the Lenape and the Canarsi, believed in powerful spirits that roamed the night sky and spoke of healing through plants and trees. Before them, the North American megafauna inhabited a physically different but no less magical landscape where evolution was still making odd choices. It zigged and zagged, which resulted in beasts like the nearly spherical Glyptodon and the humped-backed Camelops, to say nothing of the short-faced bears and giant beavers, all to come face to face with a giant beaver. The wild essence of these creatures, long extinct, their untamed, enormous energies have been impressed over time into the soil we plant our food in, absorbed into the molecules of the water we drink, and woven into the silk of our meditation scarves. While even today, were I to listen carefully to the fibers of my podcasting turtleneck, I bet I would hear the song of the ancient megatortoise. We are all that has come before, imbued with their powers, their insights, their stories and we carry those mysteries within us, in our bones, in our sagging flesh of our weak and paltry, not giant at all bodies. Will these bodies one day betray us? Of course they will. Death comes for us all, folks. But before that happens, let us ask ourselves, what can we do to harness this magic? For if we are all star stuff, are we not also dust stuff? and animal stuff, and other people's stuff. It's best not to think too hard about any of this. It's so much dust. But together, friends, I think we can locate that wild spark and have it guide us through whatever darkness we find ourselves in, say a cave or a subway platform or an elevator during a blackout. Friends, it's time to let our wild energies free and illuminate this moment as we set about exploring the deep night. Friends, hello, it's me, your host and guide, Dale Seaver, and I'm so happy to be back with you for a new season of Deep Night with Dale. We come to you tonight, as we have for 12 seasons now, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. Though known primarily for its whole foods and sex diseases, the Gowanus is full of ancient magic and sex diseases, but also magic. The waterway has existed for millennia, bringing fetid water in and then just kind of staying there. It's like this. There's always someone in your office who has to hold all the negative energy. Someone that no one really cares for. In other words, the Gowanus is Sheila. And while we don't want to draw on negative energy, we appreciate that it has some place to go. For on this program, we seek the positive. We strive for the light. Now, am I in a lot of debt having opened a crystal shop along the Gowanus? Yes, I am. Did we have to move out of our condo on account of a certain Icelandic wee folk getting into mischief and an unlicensed interdimensional portal that was considered a fire hazard? Yes! But I just know things are going to turn around. They simply must. And so I look forward to a new season of this program to lift my spirits and to help me stay in the moment while also trying to understand how I got here by looking to the past and listening carefully to all things, plants, objects, other podcasts, and, of course, my guess. I recently found out that one of my ancestors came over on the Mayflower. 
Now, I'm not sure why that wasn't brought up sooner, but communication isn't always easy for the Seavers. Yes, barrel maker, carpenter, and tall hat Lothario, John Arden, was my relative. Now, as soon as they landed, he married the only woman on the ship. Seems a little forced, but let's give him points for being practical. And look, I watched that movie The Witch. With all the relentless rain and the forest full of flying naked gals, I'd want someone to chop wood with, too. Those early days looked bleak, and there was a very real chance your goat could turn out to be the devil. Then I learned that there has been a seaver in America for over 400 years. That's a lot of time at ye old turtleneck shoppy. Learning about my own long history in this weird country, I became fascinated by how many subjects and guests that we've had on this show connect back to the eerie strains of American oddness in a good way. Now you, the keen listener, will no doubt be aware that we've talked about seances, spiritualism, mentalism, haunted houses, murder ballads, along with the most awkward of all American professions, stand-up comedy. And isn't it something that they have all gained prominence in the national discourse? Maybe they never left, but suddenly this program is weaving together all of these threads, including a recent surge of interest in country music. I see you, Ken Burns. And all of that says to me, Dale, you must be tapping into your own powerful old-time religion. And I could not be more intrigued or excited. Everything that rises must converge in this podcast. So like Flannery O'Connor, we're going to stay weird in season 12. That's how the Spirit's moving us, and so we shall move with it. Now, speaking of moving, today on the program, I'm so pleased to welcome the Nashville-based musician Mercy Bell to the Deep Night. Mercy is someone redefining what country music can be. She has a new self-titled album coming out on October 18th. Folks, pre-order it. Order it. Do what I do. Buy the CD, then forget you have it, and buy it again online so you can carry it with you anywhere. Now, in this talk, we get into the ways in which music is connected to the spirit. I asked Mercy to perform a couple songs in the Deep Night Studios. The first one, one of my favorites from the new album. And at the very end of the episode, she sings an a cappella rendition of a song I've long found myself singing over the years as another way to get through uh, tough moments. Grief, hope, and disco. The American experience. All covered in this conversation with my guest, Mercy Bell. Mercy Bell, how are you? Dale, I am doing so good. Oh, that's great. Are you full of anticipation for the new album? Because I know I am. So much anticipation, so much Adderall. It's great. <laughs> You're riding that wave. So much. Making a rare appearance here in New York. We're lucky to have uh, caught this moment. Absolutely. So thank you for making it happen. Uh, uh, now, uh, you're a talented musician and, and uh, singer-songwriter, fair? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and I tell you this, I put on uh, one of the singles that you had out. Is that Fantastic. what they call it? Yes, a that's single? it. Yep. <laughs> that's what they were used to call and uh, be called, and I just, I don't know. But uh, the song Home. Yes. Yes. That song, uh, uh, it really gets to me. Why? Tell me why. I want to know. <laughs> Market research. <laughs> I teared right up is what I'll tell you. The refrain from that thing uh, is the, the idea of, of being taken home. Uh, you may be at a low point or something. Uh, I wonder, it made me wonder, what does home mean for you? Oh, man. I have been, you know, I'm 34 and I'm still looking for home, but I have found that it's really kind of a feeling at this point, kind of a feeling of not having to be on the run so much. Yes. Yeah. So, but all that being said, New York very much feels like home every time I'm here. So. Oh, well, that's good. Yes. 
<laughs> we all in the song, you know, we've all had mornings like the one that you're describing in mm-hmm. that song where uh, we need somebody to help us find our way back. Yes, is what I was reading into it. And uh, does the new album build on some of these same themes of redemption and uh, reaching out? So, oh, so many, so yeah. many. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I like to say that the album is sort of a journey that I've gone through of probably the worst year of my life. Um, like, Hey, let's just get right into it. Um, but also like the people that kind of have helped me get through that the past couple years. So that includes like, uh, you know, lovers, people who have fallen in love with and friends and family and, a, ca- a wide array of characters, for sure. Yes, they yes. all found their way in in mm-hmm. some way or another. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw that you had posted something that said the new album is about, and it's a long list. So it's, Do it's it. About, uh, love, grief, death, manic depression, anxiety, ADHD, queerness, addiction, heartbreak, New York City, Nashville, Arkansas, California, and burritos. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got it. (laughs) You nailed it. That's basically a season of this podcast, by the way. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) I've certainly loved and lost many a burrito. You know what? That's what they're meant to do, I think. (laughs) But it did make me wonder, this idea, back to the the song Home, if Mm -hmm. I can connect it back to that, this idea of of longing, of of grief. And I wondered, was there a specific grief? Is it more general grief? Um, Well, so 2016, um, my... My my grandmother died, my cat died, and my mom died. Oh, my all gosh. All within about three months. And then... I'm sorry um, to hear that. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it was not fun. And then um, I was in... I had been in a very long relationship with, you know, a wonderful person, and that ended also. So it was just kind of like... It, it's The Grim Reaper just went for it in 2016. Yes. Um, and it... That song, I hadn't completely finished it, and I was like, well, I guess it's time to finish the song now, and that was the song that came out of that year. So it's like my ode to 2016. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was uh, very powerfully conveyed. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, I have been open. I grieve basically all the time. I <laughs> experienced grief for a long and uh, I lost, I too lost my mother oh, uh, at a young, younger age, mm-hmm. about 20 or so, and uh, still never really got, got through it. It's just a matter of navigating yep. constantly. And I think that's why here in those opening songs, I mean, you talk about getting a phone call or something yes. about it. And uh, I too experienced a phone call that just floors you. Yeah. It just takes it out from under you and you drop to the ground. And, and it uh, makes me never turn my ringer on at night anymore. You know, I keep my ringer off. <laughs> I keep my ringer off, too. Well, I never connected it to that before, but that could be why. I don't want the bad news. Hey, look, we're in a therapy session all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we're, that's how I feel, though, when I listen to music that connects to something that maybe because it's just on the surface for me all the time. Mm-hmm. But when I hear something that just directly calls it out and it's so like, please, just take me back to that thing, which in some way you can't do. You exactly. can't go back to that place. Um, and that just sets me off. <laughs> so. I'm here for that. I would love to just like take a lighter to that cigarette. <laughs> oh, gosh. In some ways, it's exhausting. But in other ways, I also don't want to lose it, you know? Exactly. Because it's the connection or something. Well, I find that grief has been one of those things that until you go through it, you think that it's like this, okay, we're going to have this set time to grieve. And the truth is that it's like learning to ride a bike and that's going to be your only mode of transportation now. So it's like you're going to grieve for the rest of your life, but you get uh, more skilled at it, I think. And and it, I have found um, 
that the more that I learn how to work with my grief, everything else that happens to me in life, even small things that drive me crazy, like my Bluetooth not connecting in my car, like I, I have learned to like accept it, you know, just, it's oh, okay, fine. I'm just going to have to feel through this. And I know that sounds kind of maybe flippant to people who haven't gone through this same situation, but it is, uh, it's, it's always with you and it kind of gives you this like weird superpower in a dark, dark way. <laughs> well, in some ways, you know that it, whatever you're doing, you think, well, I have a new threshold for how bad it could be. Oh, yeah, 1,000%. It's, it's not that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I terrified a lot of my friends because that year I was just walking around and I was like a zombie almost. And this my automatic thing would, if something bad happened, I'd be like, well, you know, I, my mom died. What, you know, what? it's not as bad as that. Exactly. Right. It, yeah. ch- it changes your perspective on things. You know, I was lying in my sleep hammock the other night Ooh. with the uh, white noise machines Juicy. going. And uh, uh, <laughs> my wife asleep in the other room. It's, you know, hey. an arrangement. But uh, it made me wonder. I was thinking about space because sometimes that's where the mind goes, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, also I have stars painted on the ceiling. So it's very easy for me to think about space. The point is, I was thinking, what you know, black holes. What if black holes are just a universal, the universe's expression of grief? You know, timeless, it exists uh, outside of time. They're always there, unknowable, unseeable, really, but uh, sort of mourning that which once gave off light and warmth, stars and suns. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Then I drifted off to sleep. (laughs) I believe there's a Stephen Hawking quote uh, that he was talking about depression, and he said... I'm going to mangle it. But something about that uh, you can get through a black hole. Something can. Now, I, I don't want to be yelled at by, you know, people who are smart, smarter than I am. But it was a metaphor about depression and something can get through a black hole. I don't know what it is. But and Stephen said that if, if that can happen, if that can survive a black hole, we can, too. So you see. Yeah. It's all connected. We're, we're nailing it. It's all connected. <laughs> oh, but now you're based in Nashville. Mm hmm. That's a city that, to me, uh, feels alive. It is. Oh, it's very alive, it's not ca- dead. No, it has a lot of creative energy. I visit places like Sedona and places out in the southwest, and you get the vortexes. Yes. Might there be a vortex under Nashville? I would hope so. I think that I have definitely done some vortexy things. <laughs> I feel like I've met all of the, the uh, witches that don't know they're witches yet. Oh. They don't have a crystal collection. They just do... They just, I don't know, they're vortexy for sure. Yeah, pre-crystal witches. Yeah, pre-crystal witches. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, but you, you found a creative home there in Nashville. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That was what drew you there? Did you always know you were going to end up in Nashville? I had a weird intuition. I was here in my apartment in Park Slope, and one of my friends mentioned Nashville, and I got that, you know that feeling you get sometimes when it's like a sheer intuition? It's like a... It's not like a low blood sugar or anything. It's literally like, oh, that is an omen. And so from that moment on, when my friend was talking about Nashville, I had started to think about it as a musician. And then my my, uh, girlfriend at the time is from Arkansas. So like I had spent some time in Arkansas. Um, and she was living here and she was like, do you want to like, can we move closer to home? And I had, I've moved around my whole life. So moving for me is like, oh, sure. Why not? And I said, can we go to Nashville? And so we went to Nashville because I thought, you know, I'm still doing music, but I'm also interested just to see, 
it was kind of like a spur of the moment thing. And I, we moved there the same way I moved here, just with literally like a backpack, uh, air mattress, and a guitar. So That's their life. Yeah. I'd like I, to do that. It's how I do th- I did things. I haven't done it in a minute. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I've changed. Maybe I'm too bougie now. I don't know. But yeah, I moved there kind of, it was a, it, it, was, an, it was a hunch. And I'd heard that, that musicians there take things very seriously, which they do. Yeah. And not that they don't hear, but it's just a different level. It's like a machine that's always turning it out. So, yes. Yeah. It was kind of a, a, a variety of reasons. But I've, I've been there for ooh, seven years now. Yeah. Well, I want to come back to this idea of the creative home in a second. But uh, you were originally from Boston? Well, okay, so I was born in Boston, and then when I was a little, like, a toddler, we moved to California, and I lived in California till I was 12, and what? then we moved back to Massachusetts, my dad got a job there, and I lived there till I graduated college and moved here, to New York. Was it uh, was, uh, always just a business thing, like, had to get mm-hmm. different jobs at different places? Um, he had been working in, kind of, corporate, the corporate 80s world, and then it was, like, too, it wasn't, he's, like, my parents are very creative, um, my dad's creative, like so. Now he's a business professor um, in in Massachusetts. So he was kind of just trying to figure out, navigate the world of business in like a ethical way, I guess. Or oh. ethical might not be the right word, but like a way that was like suitable to his kind and sweet personality, you know. So you don't see a lot of that in '80s corporate America. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. My dad would not have been a character in Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) (laughs) But he enjoyed it? I guess he enjoys business the same way that I do. Um, My parents always had some kind of entrepreneurship going. Yes. And he did go to business school. So... uh, Well, now he's he's a professor at uh, University of Massachusetts Dartmouth, and... He's a very popular professor, which makes total sense. So. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, yes. he's a sweet guy. Absolutely. And but he, he still has the knowledge. 1,000%. Yeah. And he's been helping me with this album, and he's getting a kick out of it. So. And did you inherit some uh, acumen? Apparently I have. I didn't know until I started to like release this album and do everything on my own. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. No wonder my parents are always, always had a business of some sort. Yes. Many, many businesses. But, yeah, I enjoy it a lot. Yep. Well... That's that's helpful. <laughs> so helpful. <laughs> I would think. Um, so Boston, one of our more complicated cities. Very complex. Uh, uh, complex. I took a bus there a couple of times Ooh. Uh, during the big dig, Ooh. too, which I know. Bumpy. Yeah, bumpy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Never gelled with that place, and I always just went back to wherever I was coming from. But I did make out in a church once. Oh, you know what? That's where it should be. Right? Yeah. Pretty good. I mean, I hope it smelled good. Depends on what kind of church it was. Very wooden. Okay, good. So yes. I'm guessing it was either Catholic, Episcopalian, or Anglican, maybe. One yep. of those. Seems or one right. of those. Yeah. Feel like it was near a campus? Probably, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Is it a country song yet? I mean, was it a good makeout session? Pretty good. Fantastic. We don't want to get you in trouble with anybody. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that was a few wives ago. Uh, <laughs> so back to this idea with Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I have uh, a lot of ideas and nothing to back them up. But, Go for uh, it. But, but this is one that I think ultimately, when you're in the place where you said everybody's focused, everybody's into it, they're, they're working on pursuing their passions, the, 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 they all appreciate that everyone has talent, mm-hmm. that there's real artistry there, that judgment kind of fades away a little bit. And one can find their way in there no matter what, from whatever background you are or whatever. 
Yes. I mean, you find your little, I'm trying to find the right word. I guess your like tribe of people or your uh, click is not a nice word. I don't, I'm not, but you find your crew basically. Yeah. And my group of friends actually was dubbed chaos crew. I think we're not as chaotic as we used to be. I think we've all, you know, uh, you know, gotten our houses and things like that or, you know, pets. But we were named the chaos crew for a hot second there and still 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 intact, I think. Um, but you start to find people you gel with and can kind of just have this creative telepathy with almost, yeah. you know, and it was you you kind of land in Nashville and there's just talented people left like everybody's talented. Like, that's the thing. Everything is talented. It's like open mics there are absurd because, like, people are good, you know? And right. Then you have to sift through them and find the people that you have uh, kinship with, you know? And I'm really lucky I found that. So, um, and they're all on this record. Everyone. Even the <laughs> ones who don't make music, who just do the artistic kind of, like, the d design and hair and, and, like, graphics and things like that. So... Yes. Yes. Wow. And and what's queer Nashville like? You know, I kind of stumbled into it because um, I've never been one of the people who's like joins any kind of group really. So I think my friends, my gay friends there, my queer friends, we've all just kind of found each other. It's very easy to be queer in Nashville. Yeah. Um, I don't really venture out outside to you know, so I'm not going to try to be like, oh, it's so easy to be a gay and you know. Smyrna, Tennessee, or whatever, but in Nashville, it's it's a very accepting city. It's yeah. very it's a blue dot in a sea of red. That's my sense of things. Yes, yes, so, and increasingly so. Oh yeah, a yeah. lot because a lot of people are moving there. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, uh, I did spend a little bit of time in Nashville, not a lot, but I went over to the Fontenelle, Ooh. Barbara Mandrell's uh, log cabin out there. Ooh, she was very kind. It's very classy. <laughs> Well, the heck, it's a lot of pink. She has a bathroom. <laughs> it's all pink marble. Now, that's not traditionally queer Nashville, but it felt like, I, oh, maybe I mean, something here. You know, I would say that's some big queer energy right there. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Were you ever uh, drawn to that trappings of rhinestones and boots and uh, fringes? Well, you know, I'm kind of evolving because um, <laughs> yeah. I kind of learned how to do music and style and stuff here in New York in the, oh, gosh, it was like, post yeah yeah yeah's era music and so kind of i show up in nash in nashville like dressed in black right just yep. everything and stripped it's down one yep. black and combat boots and everything and then now and then nashville did definitely went through like a cowboy hats like a nudie suit type situation and that was never for me but i'm definitely embracing the more rhinestone -y look these days just because uh -huh. it's fun i don't know if my sound will ever be that way but who knows yeah who knows let it evolve it, i love evolution <laughs> I love well, it. well speaking of that what are some of the inspirations that you go to now i'm talking about it maybe in writing the new album mm -hmm. putting it together or just it's sunday uh you got coffee or something mm -hmm. uh kombucha i and, do drink uh, kombucha <laughs> and the sun's I... coming up what's on the hi-fi so I listen to a funny mix of um, I listen to a lot of pop, a lot more R and B these days. But when I write, it seems like the muse of my writing really comes from the Dixie Chicks. Yeah, I love the Dixie Chicks. I Great. love Jenny Lewis, Jenny Lewis, Rilo Kylie. Yep. Love her, love them. Um, Patty Griffin is a huge inspiration. If I have the flu, but I have my guitar next to me, what will come out is probably a Patty Griffin style song. <laughs> my number one favorite songwriter of all time, though, is 
Max Martin, who wrote every hit pop song of all time. So I think underneath everything, there is this pop songwriter. And we are definitely embracing that a little bit more on this album. Yeah. Uh, so I, I will listen to... Okay, here's the thing. I'm kind of bad at finding new music, so I, I rely on the people around me to give me new music. Yep. So if um, my friends send me stuff, I will listen to it. If it's hip-hop, R&B, I'm like, I, just send me things. I also... One of my jobs is I work at a disco bar, so we listen to a lot a of bar disco. and disco. It yeah. is literally a, it's called Rosemary and Beauty Queen. Shout out, guys! <laughs> uh, and they throw these amazing disco parties, and it's amazing and it's beautiful. It's in an old craftsman house. It doesn't even have a sign. You don't even. You, it feels like you're in a house party. So I listen to a lot of disco music, and I did grow up listening to disco, like yeah. Donna Summer, yeah. ABBA, all that. Because my mom loved it. Um, so that kind of has some. I don't know if you hear that in the album, but um, like, and I think I ADHD'd all over your question, but um, it's all that stuff. I'm following. Real. Good, good. <laughs> and I want to say how much I love disco. Oh, and the beat is just always right. Oh, always. I'm always happy when it comes on. I think that's the point. I yeah. Think it's supposed to. It's, it's like uh, it's an SSRI in musical form. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, somebody I always return to, and it's no surprise because she's a big star. But but I'm surprised because it's such a big... But I'm the same way as you, mm -hmm. if I may interrupt my own self for a second. Because if somebody posts a story on Instagram with a music, like a little clip or something, mm -hmm. I'll go buy it. That's how I, I sometimes learn about music. That's how I do, People too. People are like, hey, I like this, and then I'll go do it. Now, I still buy an album because I'm old-fashioned that way. Yes. And I won't just buy one song. I say, oh, let me get the thing. And I don't know, $9 versus 12 What's the difference? Anyhow, but the person <laughs> that I keep coming back to, uh, Dolly Parton. Oh, she's the queen. It's, it's the so queen. good. Yeah. And <sighs> she can write any song. I like to... Uh, her style of songwriting is what I... What I it's as if she's the professor and I'm the student. It's like she can write a song, just her and a guitar, and then Whitney Houston can play it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. to me, that's good bones. And if you can write a song with good bones and anybody, can, it can be anything. Yep. Well, I'll give you an example because re recently I, I, you know, and she, there's so many mm -hmm. songs that I can still discover new ones or things that I for, had forgotten. They're like, oh, yeah, that's right. That was a, I remember that. Uh, sometimes it was because I was in the doctor's waiting room or something, <laughs> but I remember. But this song, uh, Light of a Clear Blue Morning. Yes. There you go. Talk about a school of how to write a song. Mm -hmm. It starts with just a, like a piano, like the sun coming up. Mm -hmm. Classic. Setting the stage. That little chimes. And then it just builds from there to the end. It's a full 70s gospel thing. <laughs> it's, it's, an it's a journey. It's a journey. <laughs> and it's like, oh, things are... I actually started to feel more optimistic. <laughs> she did it. <laughs> a guardian angel. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I mean, sometimes I or maybe could... a, a goddess from a mythical tradition, Appalachian mythology of some sort. That's, yes, that's her. Yes, she came out of a lightning bolt somehow. Oh, oh. Uh, just uh, just amazing. And I don't know because I, you know, I grew up more with the folk songs oh, and me that too. kind of Absolutely. stuff, right? So I've looked at the clouds from both sides now. Oh yes, <laughs> a lot of that. But there's something about like. 70s disco-y uh, tambourine kicking in gospel and it just it all works it's so sincere that's the thing it's, there it, it is it has and I think that there's a lot of I love sincerity 
yeah. because I'm not I'm not great at being sarcastic, but also I think people yearn for it on some level. It's a vulnerable thing to be sincere, I think. Yes. Um, but a lot of the music from that era I find is very sincere. And <clears throat> you mentioned folk music. Like I was raised on like the protest folk of the 60s. Yes. Me, me too. So basically. like that is also how I learned how to write a song. Yep. And I think that in a lot of ways, disco is kind of like a natural progression from that because it's just as sincere. It's just, you know, let's get let's get sweaty, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it is pure in that way because mm -hmm. it's it's almost the soul, the soul expressing itself Absolutely. through movement in that way. Mm -hmm. you know, you know, and a beat. And a beat. Yeah. Yes. We were talking about Quakers. We both have Quakers in our past. So many Quakers. Don't move until you're so, you know, don't say anything until you're so moved. Yep. Well, my gosh, how can you remain on the sidelines when disco comes on? You are absolutely 100% called by the Spirit at that moment that's, to stand up and dance. That's right. <laughs> and I respond anytime I see the Spirit move through someone. Amen. Yeah, that's what it Whatever is. Whatever you believe the Spirit is, it's there. Now I want to start a Quaker disco. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's what it is. And the, the human voice, and it's just expressing. It can be, as you said, simple. Just mm -hmm. a guitar and, and a human voice, even just a human voice with nothing. That's one of my favorite things to do. I did this Woodstock tribute. Uh, tributes are big things in Nashville right now. It's an a easy way to, for a venue to make money on a night when you know there, people might not come out. Yep. There's a Woodstock uh, tribute and I got to sing some Joan Baez songs and I wanted to do the songs that she did at Woodstock so I ended up singing uh, Swing Low Sweet Chariot acapella which is how she did it wow. which is how I kind of was raised to do folk music is like do an acapella song and there's actually a great group here in New York called Exceedingly Good Song Night if you are into doing stripped down folk music acapella look them up They've been going for 10 years. They're probably going to keep going for another 20. Sure. Um, but, like, I do acapella songs in my set, like, of old folk songs. Mm -hmm. Just because I think people need to remember that that is a thing that we can all do. <laughs> you know what I yes. mean? Yes. It so can unite us. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. sing. Yeah. Or at least just bring a moment. Yeah, exactly. Bring us together for a moment in one in one beautiful uh, time together. Uh, yes, that's how all of this is building up so nicely. Um, it's pre-planned. <laughs> I consulted my crystal ball. <laughs> well, uh, the the new album is coming out October eighteenth, yes. and it's called what? Mercy Bell. It's my. I'm going to self-title it. Yeah, you got to see. That's the business that's acumen. It. That is. That's what you got to do. My sister says that's how I'm a Slytherin in Harry Potter. I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. Yep. Well, <laughs> listen, they got ahead. They, they got did. some stuff done. <laughs> they did. <laughs> um, but how about now would be a good time if you want to play a song from the album? Would that be Absolutely. possible? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, since we talked about home, let me play that because... Oh, my gosh. Now, I want to preface this by saying that if you listen to it on whatever... It's on all the streaming services, so whatever you listen to, it's on there. Uh, it's also on Bandcamp and YouTube. Um, it has, like, a full string section and backup singers and stuff, but this is the stripped down yes. version of it. Yeah. All right. This song is called Home and it's um, it's out right now and it's gonna be on the new album.
Just trying to get it together, it seems. Takes all of the energy I need to succeed. Spent six whole months waking up in strange beds. Trying to Take me home I'll be better in the morning Take me
Wow. It's amazing. Thank you so much. It's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful song. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, it's. I should have people play for me more often. I mean, one on one. I'll do what I can. Gosh, it's. Uh, it's we can such maybe an meet at a at a subway stop later. I'll, I'll busk it for everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh! So that one will be on the new album, of course. And, you, and, and it, did you find the experience of revisiting that song, which you had done before, uh, and reorchestrating it? Was it a, a different kind of experience for you? Um. Well. I definitely had an ADHD moment there. Um, I was go- when I walked into the studio right here today. I was going to play another song, but then the spirit moved me to play "Home," which is a new <laughs> song. So the one that you're mentioning, which I just did a switch up on you, um, that is not that song. So, but I can talk about revisiting some songs. Oh, okay. If you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm confused, but I'm, that's okay. I do that to people. I just confuse them left and right. They think I'm Mexican, but I'm Filipino. <laughs> All kinds of things. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know what my sexuality is. It's like, oh, it's whatever, you know. <laughs> well, uh, that song is beautiful. Thank you, thank and you. And maybe some, what was the experience of revisiting other songs that maybe you had done? Is that what you did? You brought in a kind a, of catalog and said, okay, let me... I'm going to retool this one. I'm going to enhance this one. Mm -hmm. This one, perfect as is. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we luckily, so I made my first album, um, which is the only one out right now until, you know, a month and a half from now, uh, right out of college here in, in New York with some friends. And they did a great job. I just didn't know what I was doing. Like, I did not know anything about recording. So I was literally just kind of going with it willy nilly. And that's kind of a stressful situation. Like my friends who helped me make the album are great. They they knew what they were doing, but like I like to I like to know what I'm doing. So in the the, <laughs> the, the ten years following that, I've learned a lot yes. about production and things like that. So I feel less stressed out about it. Um, so I wanted to take two songs from the last album that I feel are kind of crowd pleasers and revisit them. And do them the way that we've been doing it with my band in Nashville because it kind of it felt like it grew up with me, and so um, that was a lot of fun because I was able to make them sound exactly like how I hear them in my head these days, you know. Um, and they've matured. Like I've gone through a lot of things in the past ten years, you know. I've uh, like I was still in the closet when I made my last album, you know. Like I was, I didn't. I wasn't out like now I'm out I've been through all these things I've you know moved a couple of times which is its own trauma in of itself you know U-Hauls but making that the songs kind of with my band knowing how to express myself uh, technically to an engineer and things like that and a producer it was super gratifying and it's just like it's fun for me to listen to my rough mixes and be like oh we did that like that sounds great you know <laughs> yeah. and not to say that my last album didn't but I just didn't I was also when I was making my last album I was going through a nervous breakdown so like oh. yeah, yeah it happens you you know when your mental health is a little so that can, like that can influence things yeah nervous breakdown for yep. completely different reasons non-musical related but it was like so I don't remember really making my last album so this new album is like I was totally present I was like involved. I was like thinking through things intentionally, bringing in string sections and a horn section, and it was just fun. You know, it's like super fun, and I was just having a blast the whole time. Yeah. So. Well, uh, I look forward to seeing how that manifests in the in the, in the album itself. I'm sure it's going to be. It's something to be at a point in your life where you're really 
standing on the ground mm-hmm. where you're rooted, as I, it were. Yeah, and it's very helpful to like make a, a, a creative project from a place of being grounded yes. and, and rooted. It's very helpful. You would think it isn't, but it's very helpful. It's like, oh, I made all this stuff when I was like off the walls like I was I was going through a lot of things and then now oh here the fruit of my misery (laughs) and now I'm not that miserable so let's just you know let's make an album so yeah well now you know what you're talking about exactly yeah it it makes a difference (laughs) it really does (laughs) but now uh, as a as a young person Mm -hmm. growing up uh, you said your parents were creative Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and do and doing their best within whatever the situation was Uh, were they also musical are they musical um they my whole family sings and we've always grown up just with like music in the house and my dad was Episcopalian so he's great at harmonies so (laughs) is is that true oh Episcopalians are great at harmonies and um, noted. <laughs> just check it out sometimes like just like go to an Episcopalian choir and you'll be like whoa that's cool what are Presbyterians um, known for I don't know no. Catholics I grew up Catholic and we're not great at music so but that's fine <laughs> my mom uh, was Filipino and Filipino culture is just like music is everywhere so you just it, there's not this stigma about just like let's just go sing like just like swa- just walking down the street singing you know karaoke just like there's always music everywhere so I grew up in a very like music as a default my all my family are artistic in different ways my siblings have all gone into different mediums of art like Mm -hmm. some of them are illustrators and graphic designers and writers i'm the only one who's a professional musician yeah but it's they can all sing like they could have all harmonized on the album with me you know the spirit moves through them all one thousand percent yes um was there uh, anything from filipino culture that you you were particularly drawn to musically um you know uh, not so much of like f- traditional Filipino music. I-, I grew up a lot with, there was a lot of like, my Filipino grandmother loved Mexican love songs. So like there's always that going on in the background. Yeah. And cause you know, f- the Philippines was colonized by Spain. So there's a lot of kind of crossover yeah. Hispanic influence. It's my, my full name is in Spanish. It's very confusing for people, but whatever. It's, <laughs> I confuse people. Um, but my mom had been big, like disco, I guess, was really big at the time in the Philippines when she was there. And so my disco, the disco influence, I would say, is is a Filipino crossover, even though it's worldwide. But yes. it was like very much from my Filipino mother. So that that's that and theater musical theater because she was doing a lot of musical theater too or like choir stuff too in the philippines so so. you get the big ballads yes you get the love songs one thousand percent you get the uh, mexican spanish influence yep plus disco and then my dad was like very rock so like all the rock standards you know oh my dad and my uncle johnny introduced me to kind of like the lilith fair generation of female songwriters too so they're they were always, th- like I said, other people have always given me the music to listen to. <laughs> well, they gave you good stuff, though. Yeah, but my first original, my favorite band for, as a child, like a little kid, was the Beach Boys. They were my favorite. Well, I was a little kid. Yeah. So that was my favorite. So I think there is some Beach Boys-ness a little bit in the album. A little, a little, little bit. <laughs> I can't wait to <laughs> try and track all this uh, stuff through there. What was the first concert? You know what? My parents had their hippie phase, so I think it was um, Tom Chapin, who's a kids folk artist, and yeah. that was my first concert. I don't but even Harry's remember. brother. Yes. Yes. That's it. Yes. 
Oh, so, my gosh. A lot oh, yeah. of Harry Chapin in oh, the yeah. car trip. Lots of Harry Chapin, <laughs> and then we'd switch to t- Tom Chapin. James Taylor was huge. Yep. Okay. Lots of James. Yep. Uncle James, basically. He's not my actual uncle, but that's what I thought when I was a kid. <laughs> yes. So. Well, yes. I still know every every word to Harry Chapin, Greatest Stories Live. He's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And that's that like uh, that was my bread and butter growing up because that's what my mom and dad would listen to. So I was like, oh, yeah. that's how you write a song, okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, it's fascinating to hear, and I, I as I said, I genuinely want to listen to the full new album when it comes out and understand now some of these influences that are are in there. And um, do you think you'll do more with? Do you feel like uh, that folk influence will come back? You see, you're going to keep pursuing some of that. Yeah, you know, the I no matter what, I if I just like am laying down, if I'm just like writing a song just out of the blue, it's going to be a folk song or a pop song. It's just how it it just like it goes one way or the other, and so I the folk thing is never going to go away. Yeah, I have dreams of like just shacking up somewhere in New Mexico and just writing a folk album. Man. But watch me go and shack up in New Mexico and make a pop album, and then I shack up in L.A. and make a folk album. Like, that's just how it, it works. Yeah. But either way, none of them are going to go away. Yeah. 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 And and the funny thing is, like, we're actually working on a musical right now. It's my friend's birthday today, Tyler. Happy birthday, Tyler. Today, yeah. August 31st. Is that what t- <laughs> no, August 30th. August 30th. Wait, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but he's helping me write a musical right now. He's here. So we're doing that also. That's great. Yeah. Who knows when that musicals have a long Yeah, that takes a little while. Period. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> That's good. Um, uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm very happy that you were able to come in and, and, and share a little bit about uh, your process and, and where you're coming from with the new album. Thank and you. Uh, it's called Mercy Bell. It's mm-hmm. going to be out October 18th everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I wondered um, if you could play us a song out, which is an unusual thing. I've Absolutely. never asked somebody to do that. And because we're talking about the folk music and all that, mm-hmm. you, you sing a, a Stephen Foster. I would love to. A tune. I do. Uh, Hard Times. I do. Do you think you could do that for I us? I do, and uh, the way that I do that song, though, is a cappella. Are you okay with that? Sure, I'm okay with all that. All right, all right. <laughs> if you're if you're game to do I it, I'm game. I because I have I start to do that song a cappella these days, and it's really I. It's my Quaker moment, I guess. Yeah. Well, let's have a Quaker moment all together right. as we conclude. But first of all, uh, Mercy Bell, thank you so much. Thank you. Really thank appreciate you, it. I appreciate it. This was yeah. so much fun. <clears throat> Let us pause in life's pleasures and count its many tears While we all sup sorrow with the poor Many days you have lingered forever in our ears Oh, hard times come again no more and tis a song, the sigh of the weary. Hard times, hard times, come again no more. Many days you have lingered around my cabin door. Oh, hard times, come again no more. Though we seek mirth and beauty and music light and gay, there are frail forms fading by the door. 
Though their voices are silent, their pleading looks to say, Oh, hard times come again no more. And tis a song, the sigh of the weary. Hard times, hard times come again no more. Many days you have lingered around my cabin door. Oh, hard times come again no more. And there's a pale drooping maiden who toils her life away. She's crying that her better days are o'er. Though her voice should be merry, tis crying all the way. Oh, hard times come again no more. And tis a song, the sigh of the weary. Hard times, hard times come again no more. Many days you have lingered around my cabin door. Oh, hard times come again no more. And oh, hard times come again no more. There you have it. I do love that song. And to have someone sit just inches away and sing it to you, wow! Do that more often if you can. It's like going to church. The wonderful Mercy Bell starting things off for us. And I just know we're going to have a great season ahead. We'll be talking with some talented individuals in this, our 12th season. And I hope you'll stay with us as we explore the vastness of the deep night. If you have a subject you want to talk about, have feedback, or you just want to be in touch, well, send us a note at daleradio at gmail.com and I'll get back to you. Or find me on social media. My DMs, like my heart chakras, are open. Well, till next time, remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night is independently produced and performed by James Bewley, Season 12 podcast icon illustrated by Lars Litaru. Deep Night Season 12 theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the episode provided by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm. Production studio space provided by Harvest Works in New York City. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts and listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Thanks for listening. And this season, I encourage you to leave your portals open. <laughs>